Chilling, chilling. I'm so happy to see you, man, for the first time, man. Nice to meet <laughs> yeah. you. Yeah, nice to meet you. Yeah, sorry about the little setup right here. I just moved to my new home. So basically, you are you're very lucky because this episode when we're recording, this is going to be my first episode from my new place with my new setup. Nice, nice. Yeah, so right now I'm just seeing you from from a big screen TV that I got. It's not that big. It's like 27 inches, but I just needed my glasses so I can actually see you, you yeah. know, 4K, 4K value, you know? <laughs> definitely, definitely. Yeah, so how's it going, man? How's it going? I'm just chilling, got off work. You know, I'm uh, out in LA right now going to Icon. So yeah, it's been a grind. Oh, you go to Icon? Yeah. Really? How long have you been in Nikon? I'm on quarter three right now. So I've been here since January. Oh, so you're already over over there. Yeah, almost like uh, December. I'll be, be out of here. Damn, that's actually pretty dope, man. I know a lot of homies have went to Icon, man. And right now they're like one of the biggest bass producers out there in the world. My closest homie is um Lane, who's known as Careless Castle and... Oh, yeah. Kyle's Castle's dope. Yeah, and he's friends with Kyle Company and Phase One and Wooly. Like, all those yeah. guys are just the homies, you know, and they're all homies of my big homie, Needy. So so it's actually pretty dope that you actually, that you are in Icon, man. Yeah, it's definitely, uh, I think, changed a lot since those guys were there. Like, we're, we're in a, like, a whole new building now and stuff. So it's it's gotten a lot bigger. Oh, dope. So what, yeah. what actually, like, you know, say, hey, I want to go to Icon. Is it because you saw some of the uh, biggest producers coming from there? Or is this for something uh, other than that? Is there other reasons? I mean, yeah, I found out about Icon like five years ago uh -huh. when uh, like Slander and them like mentioned they came out of there. And so like I always wanted to go there. And like when I started producing, I guess that was always like a goal to go there. And uh you know, I finished up my four-year degree at Florida Atlantic. and uh, Really? Yeah. I got a marketing degree, and I just decided to sell my car and send it out to LA. <laughs> Yo, what? <laughs> yeah. Dude, you... Wait, hold on. <laughs> Whoa, this is amazing. This is... Gee, bro. So you're telling me that you went, you went to FAU for four years. Well, From I... I started out at uh, FSU, but yeah, uh -huh. ended up. It took me about like six years to get a four-year degree. <laughs> I got six years in engineering as well, man. I hear you. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've. You know what? Let me tell you this. Like, I have. I don't have that big of a regret of me having a degree, but I kind of do wish that if I knew. Ooh, if I knew that the school I was going to didn't have an audio engineering program, I would have never gone to that school. I would have just go straight to the school that I went to. I went to SAE uh, Miami. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So like I went there or I could have gone to Full Sail, you know, Full Sail mm -hmm. has an extra program with audio engineering, you know, and that was my thing. That's what, yeah. that's what I love. And I mean, that's what I, that's what I do for a living, you know? So Nice. Like if I would have known that, I would have basically not go to college and just go straight to those courses, you know. And, and yeah, yeah, and that's get how myself. I felt. I like didn't discover producing until like two, three years into college. Interesting. And then, yeah, I just like picked it up full force, and 
like I ended up taking breaks from school just mm-hmm. so I could like produce more. And like my parents just wanted me to finish my degree. So yeah. I got it done. And then I just kind of risked it all and sent it out here. Hey, that man, that's, that's how you get it. Risk it to get the biscuit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And I hear you on the, on the parenting part. You know, my parents were also telling me like, nah, you got to finish school, man. You can't just like go ahead and quick halfway there. Like you have to have at least a degree. And I'm like, all right, let me just, you know, get it over. I was already done. Like my, mentally, I was like, uh, I really don't give a shit about, about college right now. Like this is yeah. not this is not what I wanted, you know. I I've been DJing for over 15 years. I want to involve with everything that involves with DJing and festivals and music, all that stuff. My college mm-hmm. didn't have any of that. So mentally I was just like, I don't want this. But you know what? Let me just finish it up so I could just have my parents to say, here you go, here's your degree. Can I do this now? Oh, thank you. Jesus. Yeah. <laughs> That's basically how it went for me. <laughs> yeah, man. So I feel you. I feel you on that, my man. And um, no, one thing that got, that caught me off guard when you say that you went into marketing and then all of a sudden you went to producing. That's actually very interesting because no, most of the time, a lot of up and coming producers are not very good at marketing. You know, even I'm including myself. I, I'm not very good at marketing myself that well as, as I should. If I had somebody to help me, that would be great. But yeah, like you have one of the most important tools that a up and coming producer needs and wants, you know? So yeah. that's so that's actually pretty cool. And and have you already like started like to do sp- or planned out stuff of how you're going to market yourself as an artist. Yeah, this year has just kind of been like a, a test run for me. So like mm-hmm. I started out here and I've been making music and um, just kind of like getting better as it right. gone by. And like, I was like, you know what? I'm going to just start releasing music this year. Mm. So I released a, like a showcase mix in January of like what I was sitting on. And then like, since then I've been releasing like once every two weeks. Mm. yeah for like the whole year and uh you know i've just seen like great results so now i'm like getting my plan together for next year and it's going to be like a little bit more so let me get this you basically do music almost every week every week yeah every day every day like how long how usually does it take you to do a project of yours one single session the long the hardest part is finding like the idea Mm. Like one, once when the idea comes, like finishing the project's the easiest part. And how so, often? How often does it like, bam! This is what I want, and this is how you know, I'm doing it. I go through like spurts. Um, like right now, like I haven't like written much the last three weeks. Like mm. even though I'm in the DAW every day, I just like haven't produced a song. You know, then I'll have months where I'm like cranking out three, four, sometimes like five tunes. So how long like in one day one week and one month uh yeah like in a month like i'll crank out like three to five tunes but then like i'll have months where i crank out only one so like it just depends definitely so it definitely varies every month or so you know depending yeah. how you're feeling how your mood is coming i yeah i think it, it would be kind of like psychopathic if someone was just creative 24 7 <laughs> oh i know i know a lot like able to turn it on 24 7 like <laughs> bro i, I, I That seems like a lot. <laughs> I know it's a lot, but surprisingly, I know people that are like that. Like nitty yeah. gritty, like shout out to my brother, him. Oh, he yeah. is I know. L- he's a writing monster. 
like he's a Terminator as it's as it is, man. Like, and I've been on sessions with him, and he, we've done collaborations together, and I've seen him working, and I'm like, dude, is there like an off switch out of you? And that, and that, and that's the thing. He he not, he not only he does his own music as nitty gritty, but he also does music as Sad side piece, piece yeah. with party favor, and he also does producer beats for. Yeah. artists like he does big, like writing camps and shit yeah yeah like like he does music for diplo he does dip music for other artists that i'm not gonna mention names because they're all nda signed contracts but it's like wow like how the hell you even like <sighs> turn up and i see him goofing around in fucking instagram it's like see this is what i don't understand how how the hell do you have the time and not turn that shit up and then when i see him just goofing around and all of a sudden the laptop it's like there you go Less yeah. than 30 minutes, he's making a song and all he has to do is just mix a master. And that's one guy. I know on uh, Semi-Dubs, shout out to him. I know Infinite, shout out to him, Infinite as well, homies. They're like that as well. Mantic, Ryan, bro, my brother. But you know what's funny about Mantic? He, he's kind of like you in a sense that he can whip out five, ten projects in one month and then the next few months is just dead you know yeah. no no motivation but then once he gets the mo uh, motor running or you give him something to motivate him oh my god a big thing is is uh school right now at icon mm -hmm. i'm i have a lot of homework that's like not for my projects like right. my personal projects so like it's taking my creativity to do other things right. which is not a bad thing but so hold on so it like in terms of homework wise, like what is it that you guys normally do in Icon? I'm very curious, and mm. because um, I so know like I know Icon and SAE are two different monsters. Mm -hmm. Like I know SAE is more folk heavily focused for audio engineers like myself, and but they do give us the 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 bits and, and bits of music production and making voiceovers and studio quality time and engineering and stuff like that. They do give us, you know, a lot more than just audio engineering. Like we know how to use Ableton. We know how to use Logic. We know how to use Pro Tools and, and so all the other, you know, VSTs. But mm -hmm. I, Icon, Icon is the only one that I don't know what's like heavily focused. I'm pretty sure they're more focused on producing music yeah. rather than engineering am i far or am i correct yeah there's like a it's like 80 percent producing and like 20 percent mm -hmm. engineering yeah like for the most part it's like a production crash course okay like if you're like a beginner to producing like mm. you will like flower at icon mm. you will, yeah you will learn everything you need to know and they will cut your learning curve like for sure damn I, maybe i should have gone to la then <laughs> <laughs> but i i knew uh, like a lot of stuff before going there um mm -hmm. like i learned my production from uh no sphere if you know him oh no sphere yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah um so like when i got into production he started he was doing lessons back in the day for mm. like twenty dollars an hour or something like that and i was just like booking like three four hours at a time with them for like a year that's <laughs> fire i wish yeah and then uh 
So shout out to him. He's still doing production lessons. They're a little bit more expensive now. So if anyone sees this, definitely hit him up. <laughs> Absolutely. Hit up Nosphere, man. He's He's got you. Oh, dude, you were lucky enough to get, you know, lessons for Nosphere. I got, I was, I was lucky enough to get lessons for, for, you know, for Lane Careless Castle. Mm-hmm. Back then he was known as Adair. Yeah. I got a session with Company. I got a few sessions with Crimson Child. And... A few, a few, not, not, I wouldn't call sessions with Mozart. Shout out to my brothers. It, it was more of them showing me the ropes and showing me like, this is how you, you do sound design, this and that, and this is how we do it. Because they were crashing, nice. they were crashing in my place when they were playing Ultra. Oh, uh, yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that our, our former manager at the time, you know, they were, he hooked them up. To my place, I tell them it's like if they have no other place, just crash at my place. You know, like there's space for everybody, and you know they're yeah. very grateful. Josh and Pat are just like sweetest yeah. people you could ever imagine. You know, so if you ever meet Moldset, Josh and Pat, tell them yeah. you know Wolfson send you say hi and and like Josh this. is uh he's downloaded a couple of my tunes. He always shows love. Oh, that's dope, dude! If you're getting already loved by you're right now in the right path. Yeah, you're you're right now in the right path, man, and I'm happy to hear that, brother. I'm ha- very happy. Yeah, to hear that. I always keep an eye out whenever they ask for tunes that come in their Twitter DMs. <laughs> yeah, that's I try to up. be on that. <laughs> that's what's up, man. That that's good, you know. But yeah, like uh, I've learned mostly sound designing from those big monsters, you know. And mm-hmm. and you're lucky. Let me tell you, you're lucky enough that no sphere charged you twenty dollars. These guys were charging me. It this was like almost four or five years ago. Yeah, they were charging me at the time sixty dollars, fifty dollars. Yeah. Oh yeah, definitely. That's <laughs> what it's up to now. I mean, any other people I've hit up, it's like a hundred. Oh yeah, yeah. I know. Samplifier was charging around there. Ivory was charging as well. That much, like, yeah, no, like a lot of these guys, disciple guys were charging. Yeah. But I mean, I mean, yeah, like they have the reasons. the reasons. Yeah, it's the best way to do it, though. Like, uh, just taking lessons through Nosphere just like flourish into a friendship. So, like, me and him yes. are boys now, and like, uh, you know, I just we hop on Discord or Zoom whenever just to chop it up and uh you know just text each other whenever of course <laughs> and like it's just good having someone there to like kind of guide you but also be your friend so bro and that's and those are like the best relationships because once you because obviously he's he's teaching you all the ropes and once you're right there next and you're like yo bro we're right here all right, let's do something together, man. And let's yeah. let's let's hop in together on a show. Let's see each other. Let's do something. It's like stuff yeah. like that. I it can't flourishes. Wait for him to, I can't wait for him to get his visa so he comes over to the states. Yeah, I yeah, because he's he's over in Hungary right now. So in Hungary. Yep. Oh wow, a lot of talented producers over there actually. I can vouch for that. I don't I, in Hungary itself or yeah, in Europe in, in Hungary. A lot of talented producers. Wow! Well, <laughs> yeah, I need to. I need to. I need to look for them. You know. Yeah, so, they have a whole little like click going on over there. Oh, for real? Oh, then I have to. I have to search on them because um, I'm. I don't know like if you've seen much of my my podcast, but the whole premise of my show is basically 
um, I wouldn't say like, oh yeah, I'm a, I'm, I discover artists. I just basically people on, on a spotlight and say, mm-hmm. yo, take a look at this guy. Like, yo, keep an eye on this guy. Like, yo, because most of the time, some of you guys like these up and comers, I feel like you guys don't get the recognition that you guys deserve or you don't get the credit that you guys deserve, you know? And, and I feel like you guys are always being like, not, not that you guys, it's your fault and not, not you guys do anything. It's just the industry itself. Just oh, put yeah, you the guys. Game is, uh, yeah. The game. Especially now it's in a weird place. Yeah. <laughs> it's in a weird place. It's yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and when I see stuff like that, like it makes me mad because it's like, it's not fair. Like, why is it that the people who work the hardest and have the most talent are the people who are least appreciative, you know? Like, why yeah. is it that this artist right here gets all the fame and glory because he has the following and the likes and crap, but his music is garbage. Yeah. And, and then, and you know, the streams aren't even real. In exactly. The- <laughs> they're, exactly. They're all bought it. And then you got someone like you who's very talented and knows the path and knows the game and knows the people. You're not there along with the other people that you should be right now, you know? Yeah, I look at it as like it's just gonna make it all the worth more while. Mm. It's gonna be very sweet when I taste the juice. Absolutely. <laughs> at this point is consistency and 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 perseverance, man. Yeah. Just, just don't just don't stop. Like if like you feel like you're getting closer, you that's because you are getting closer. And a lot of people actually when they get closer to the to the angle. Yeah. Yeah. I've been kind of not debating quitting, but just like a lot of emotions come mm-hmm. up when you start getting closer to the industry and yeah. you realize how it's working and like what it takes and who's doing what for who. And yeah. You know, it'll fuck with your head. No, it fuck it'll me. make you question whether you want it or not. Yeah. Like, <laughs> it, it it's kind of almost the same in my, in my end because it did fuck me up when I was about to start like take off like literally take off and it kind of fucked me up a little bit and I, 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 I myself got myself into a deep depression about it I mean a shitty job shitty lifestyle like not doing drugs or alcohol at all but it's just the living conditions that I was, was just not great. And then the job that I had wasn't, I worked on the weekends. It was 12 hour shifts. So basically all my juices were left like in the Monday, Tuesdays, you know, and the yeah. Monday, Tuesdays is the one, days that I have to force myself to do music. But at the time I was just brain dead. Yeah. yeah. Like I'm fried over it. And then that's how it is. Yeah. Like, it, it wrapping was just, up on icon. It was like the first two quarters cranking out tunes and stuff, but now it's just like I'm mentally taxed. <laughs> nah, and it, 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 it's real. It's real, and and I wish I could have like taken more um, mental breaks. Maybe I could have mm-hmm. gotten a little bit more further, but I was just pressuring myself. I'm saying like, "Fuck, I know most of it. Oh, I know, I know Ross from Disciple. I know this guy from Monster. I know this guy and this guy and this guy." Fuck, I got their contacts. Shit, I need to make something. I need to have something. If I don't make something, I lose their contacts. I'm like, ah. 
it was like mm. a never ending pressuring that I'm pressuring myself that I got it got to a point that I wasn't making music for myself. I was just making music to please others. And because that's a big error, I started to sound like others and not myself. I didn't even discover myself until now. Now I have yeah. my own sound. But before I was just like, I couldn't, man. I couldn't. Yeah. And I had to do a step back. And made a hiatus with my music and said, like, I oh, fuck this. Like, I, uh, my health is much more important than this shit. And then what you know, it a few months later, pandemic happened and I started my own podcast show. Nice. <laughs> so everything happened for a reason. And I've never yeah. been so happy in my life with, with this show, man. And the fact that, let me tell you, I didn't start this podcast to do interviews or anything like that. I, that mm. was not never my intention. My intention was basically ranting about uh, the music industry and giving knowledge to people like you and other up and comers, the ins and outs of the industry and how ugly it is and how you guys can take this information and use it to your advantage, you know, because I don't want I don't want anybody to be used like I was being used, like other homies were being used, you know, uh, oh, and, yeah. and it happens. Yeah, no, it definitely happens. But if you, if you, if there's a way to avoid it, wouldn't you take it? A hundred percent. Yeah. So, I mean, that's the whole premise of my show and how I started it. But then when I started doing interviews with people and I don't know what happened, that it became a snowball effect that, you know, I started with one and then two and then 10 and then now got 20. And then now I got like, however, however, people I have in my show and in which I, I got people already scheduled for the rest of the, the year. That's awesome. It's, it's nuts. And I'm very happy and blessed. And, and I always tell people, it's like, I don't care much about the numbers. It was, it's mm -hmm. more about um, the connection and the conversation and the, and the relationship that I get to establish with people that I've never met and having that relationship that we can both agree because we both struggle the same thing in a sense, you know, like I sense your struggle. I know what it's like, you know, and we can relate to that and, you know, and it helps people out. I mean, shit, shit, like, dude, earlier you were saying that there's a lot of artists in Hungary, right? Yeah. That they're very dope. I need to find them. I, I want to have oh, a talk yeah, to them. Up. Absolutely. Up. Because uh, dude, ask no, I mean, DM no I'm sure he'll get on a pod with you. Um, another one is Mold Bay. Mold Bay? Mold Day. M-O-L-D-A-E. Okay. And then um Protos. Protos. I think I've heard of Protos. Yep. And then um there's a lot. Molly, M-O-L-E-Y. He's pretty big. He was on the Versa uh EP, the first one. Oh, dope. Uh, um, and then another one called MSF. See, that's dope, man. And I am yeah. I would love to have that over in my show to and kick it, man, because I, I, I've discovered a lot of European artists from there. Like I know Lost Chameleon, that's from Greece. I know mm -hmm. Navets from Croatia. He did the disciple um remix competition. I know a bunch of the people from I mean the French community. Oh yeah, the French community is just killing. Yo, Doctor Ushu, know what it is. <laughs> Doctor Ushu, Bezo, fucking yeah. Isambi, like, cool. like, dude, and <laughs> and they're all click with these guys with Sample Fire, Ivory, Dirty Phonics, E Craze, all these yeah. guys. They're all in that French click, man. And I'm like, yes, 
Mm-hmm. I'm so happy I was able to sit down with these guys that I knew these guys were going to blow the fuck up. Oh, yeah. And the same thing's going to happen with the Hungarians. I'm calling it. Oh, so. absolutely. I <laughs> Zero thought about that. Me, zero me and me and Nosa are talking about that the other day. He is like, I can't wait to bring my whole crew over. <laughs> oh, <laughs> <laughs> the, the Hungary takeover. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's fucking dope. That's fucking dope. So hold on. let me ask you this, man. So. You said that when you got into Icon, you already came to Icon with some knowledge, fans to no sphere, you know? Now, was it really worth staying in school? Or would you actually prefer at this point, like, man, I already know I have this stuff. This was just extra. I could have just like kept it with no sphere and continue paying him and then be on that. Yeah. Path. Like uh before I came out here, I was like kind of already done doing uh, sessions, like paid sessions with No Sphere. Mm-hmm. And uh, yeah, like when I came out here, it just kind of put me in a zone of mm. like making music and like saw what I needed to do. But mm. yeah, you're right. Like in class, like I do be getting like a little frustrated because I already know this stuff and mm. um, there's a lot of repeat information and like. But then there's other kids in my class who like aren't there yet. So they need that information. Right. So that was, that's definitely been like hard for me, but I just like realized like the environment is like what I needed. Like I needed to just like tell myself like I'm fucking doing this shit. And after yeah. this, like it's not stopping. So that's actually a, a, a huge benefit, uh, benefit for going to schools like that. If yeah, I can see why. Like, if you're like a first timer, if you don't know nothing and you just want to learn, then Icon makes sense for you. You know, all all through and through, 100%. If you're definitely like came there and you're like already know the knowledge and you're like, well, I can't, I make sense. Especially when you say that, okay, I know the stuff. That's easy. But it's the networking that I'm doing here. It's the people that I'm doing the, here. It's the... yeah. The collaborations, um, the, the establishing relationships, you know, learning how to establish a relationship, you know, because yeah. a, a lot of because let me tell you, a lot of people do not know how to approach an artist or approach somebody in general and, and establish a, a relationship, whether it's business yeah. or friendship. Everything is just like, yo, 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 check out my demo, man. I tell you, it's the fire shit in the DMs. Yeah, that's the that's the version of it. The DMs like, yo, check because, out. I mean, like, I started, I got into this game like really heavily, like when COVID was going on. Oh, that's the perfect timing. So, like, yeah, I never really learned the in-person networking grind of it until afterwards, and then like the game has changed, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah, bro. Before it was it, probably probably I'm wrong about this, but I feel like right now it's much more easy to get in than it was back then i could be wrong i could be wrong i mean i'm i think it depends like what you're looking at definitely because like it seems like a lot of stuff is friend of friends helping friends get on stuff and (laughs) that is a big factor that is but then when you look like years ago like in 2016 like the tune Mm -hmm. quality was not where it's at now like yeah (laughs) yeah no that's that I can safely say that the the quality and the and the mid scene is right now at its best, and it's yeah. and it's surprising to me that we continue to 
hear and create new sound. Like, for example, four or five, ten years ago, you would have never imagined future rhythm be a thing. Yeah. And and it became a thing. <laughs> like, who would have yeah. thought that we can actually do that? But hey, some of these folks like Skybreak, Sharks, and Chime, Ace Aurora, find yeah. out the formula and now they they ride in the wave and now that's their genre. That they, is, they they did catch the wave for sure. Yeah. So I'm so I'm always impressed that every so often the new trend comes and new shit comes up around it. And I'm just surprised that there's more more to sound. Like I thought yeah. like because I feel like that was one of the things that I was afraid about dubstep is that it's gonna get to a point in which everything's gonna sound the same. Even though there's stuff And a it, lot of artists complain about that. And I and, and and you can see that because I think when Serum came about, that's what revolutionized dubstep sound overall and made it into the state where it is right now, where everybody hates Serum. At least as big stylish people, they'll tell you like, I try to find other ways not to use Serum because it became yeah. such an industry standard that every fucking person in the world can have it and they can create say shit. I mean. Simonets didn't help much. <laughs> like they basically created the whole sample packs wave into a whole nother level, you know, and yeah. making everybody sound like Simonets shit. Even though most of the shit came from Infinite Company and Wooly and Careless and Face One, but still, like, like that that whole Simonets did not help the industry at all to make Serum more lovable. In fact, everybody hates Serum now. Yeah. <laughs> I try not to use serum, but you know, I always end up using it. <laughs> I mean, it happens. I mean, it, 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 I can see why like people still use it to this day because it's like literally the most user friendly VST to do sound designing. Yeah. Because before it was basically what massive. Yeah, which I started getting into again. Massive, and I've been. Diving into operator. <laughs> Holy crap. Ableton like operator? Yeah, like crazy. It's so powerful. That's <laughs> fire. Hey, I'm an, Ab I'm an Ableton expert. So, yeah. I operator is powerful. Yeah. Yeah, bro. I, if you, if you check out my sessions right now, you can see like any fur party plugins that I use are probably Fat Filter, um, Serum. Was the one that I always use for resampling Portal? Yeah, Portal. Portal and no, nah, I don't use Ozone anymore to mix and master. Now it's just all stock plugins for Ableton. Mm -hmm. uh, and I know there's probably a Valhalla. I don't consider Valhalla that much a yeah. third party, even though it is a third party. But like everybody can so have integrated. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Cable guys, uh, I use sidechain. I use compressor. To sidechain on Ableton, mm -hmm. so I don't. So I stopped using cable guys. Yeah, it's just it's just I right now on top of my head, it's just only free free or four probably third party plugins. Everything else is just Ableton stock plugins. Like Ableton stock with the updates has gotten so good. It's 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 <laughs> ridiculous, bro. <laughs> and like yeah. it does not match with uh, with Flurry Loops or Logics. Like yeah. I keep telling people, like um, Ableton is just the best. <laughs> no biasy, no biasy. It's just Ableton's the no. best. Fruity Loops got some cool things in it, but 
Ableton just stays on the updates and the new stuff coming in. And <laughs> I feel I feel it's it's the fitness like I feel that Ableton always levels up. Yeah. Versus others, they they just stay the same. Yeah, they kind of stay the same. And if they do level up, it's uh too little, too late. And one f- two things that I will say about Ableton, which I highly recommend people to like if you're gonna start on something, go start on Ableton. Ableton is super user-friendly. Like, it didn't took me much for me to learn Ableton. Like, yeah. I had, like, a few sessions with a mentor before I went to school, and I learned it very quickly. And it's and surprisingly, Ableton lets me edit all my podcast videos. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can drop videos in there. <laughs> Makes my life easier because all I got to do is just edit it bounce it put put premiere to put a little bit of coloring and intro and outro and that's it yeah i don't have to do anything and the second thing about ableton which is i feel like this is like the most under underutilized thing that i feel like not a lot of people know about it or use use it to its full potential is the ability of warping your your audio, like the fact that you can just map out your freaking audio and stretch it out. Yeah. And then you can add transients and stuff in it and like all crazy stuff. (laughs) That's what I'm saying. (laughs) Like you literally can make one drop with one sample shot, one sample shot. You just have to resample it a few times, add a few effects, and stretch out the fucking fucking audio, and then do some modulations. Yeah, it definitely helps get ideas going for sure. Like, like that's the ability that Ableton gives you, you know, and, and it's easy to do that. It's not like it's mm-hmm. oh, it's fucking hard to do that. Like, no, it's really on your fingertips that you can do this. Like. That's I it. always say the hardest part is opening Ableton. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the biggest struggle. Because <laughs> once when it's open, I'm in there for five six hours. But you know, I I'm I'm with sometimes you, you just like you're hesitant to open it. <laughs> now, when it comes to sound designing, do you actually like do sound designing through resampling methods or serum? Like, what is your I do method a on lot. that? I do a lot in uh, MIDI. Okay. And uh, I'll use like a sampler or a simpler in MIDI. Ooh. And then like just do a bunch of post-processing. Oh. Um, I like working in MIDI so I can like mm-hmm. dra- drag and drop other sounds and stuff. Mm. Like you, like I'll, I'll start in the synth, but I always make something so basic. And then I'll resample that and drop it in a simpler and just kind of go crazy with it. That's actually pretty interesting. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like I make the smallest little ticks and bloops and serum or massive or something, and then mm-hmm. I just drop them in a simpler and just see what I can do to it. That's actually pretty good. My method of doing it's the same method as uh, as Josh's method is basically do whatever you do on serum, right? Find mm-hmm. the sound, find the sound, even if it's the most basic shit, just find the sound. Now with that sound, make an entire drop out of that sound, just that one sound. So I just basically, I freeze flatten it and then just resample it by every layer. Every channel has a different layer, has a different sound. And then I do a bunch of other shit. And then I, that's where I drop portal in it. And then mm. 
just listen to some freaky glitchy shit and then yeah, s- sometimes I'll just do some wild stuff and yeah. like uh, resample for like 30 minutes <laughs> frequency shifter bro you drop that shit and, and you let it ride man and that, yeah. oh my god you always find some gnarly stuff and the funny thing is is like when he told me about that is like once you found that now make a song out of that one sound and I'm like are you serious it's like yeah this song that I always do it's all because of one sound if you do that, your entire song sounds very cohesive and it's mm-hmm. under that one note that you had as that, that one sample that you did. That's how you say, that's how you stand out. And I believe that because yeah, the, so- the songs that I've done so far in the clubs that, are, that I'm, we're, about, we're about to release pretty soon, um, it's all based on his idea, that same idea that he, he taught me. And I was like, oh my God. I never realized how easy this shit was. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, why did I not learn this a long time ago? Fuck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely. I definitely be experimenting with that for sure. Now with other, you said that you were also doing massive as well, right? That, yeah. Would you also try to, or have you experiment other, you know, um, BSDs like face plan or vital? Yeah, um, Faceplant is one like like a year or two ago I really got into, mm-hmm. and I I could never just I could never get my sound with it mm. or like anything I was happy with. So yeah, and then Vital, I love the the noise oscillator how you can drop samples into that. Yeah. So usually that's what I do. I'll just like make a simple synth, and then I'll drop it in the Vital sampler, and then do like Vital effects on it because mm. the the effects on Vital are the chef's kiss. <laughs> the algorithm's so good for some reason. It works. If it works, it works, man. Yeah. The other thing I was going to say, um, I do agree with you with Faceplant. Like, it's good at the beginning, but then it becomes like, uh, I'm, I, I'm not trying to get the sounds that I want to. However, it's almost like, too many options. Yeah. Like you can have unlimited wavetables. Yeah. (laughs) It's just a little too much. (laughs) Something like that. But I, but something that I do appreciate from kilohertz is that, um, that you don't have to buy, you don't have to just buy Facebook to use all the effects. Mm -hmm. You can just buy the effects individually. So yeah. like the transient from kilohertz and the pitch yeah. vector and the EQ and the and disperser. There was the disperser from from kilohertz. Yeah. I bought those individually and they were like on sale for like nine dollars, twenty dollars, depending on the effect. And let me tell you, yeah, that's that's those are the other third parties that I use for for post processing or for sound designing on resampling stuff you know because something about it's just so crisp and clean and and it's so accurate for some reason yeah like their effects are so accurate and the way you want it like you have like the knobs itself makes it so easy that this is how i want it bam and it's just amazing yeah it is i I love kill hard stuff yeah it's been in my doll for like Two years now. Yeah, no, like never going back. <laughs> no, absolutely not, bro. One of the questions I definitely want to ask you because now that we're talking about sound designing, do you feel that sound designing is a luxury or a necessity for a producer? That's hard. I mean, it 
can go both ways. I guess it depends how your brain works. Cause mm-hmm. there's definitely people who can make it work who don't touch synths at all. You know, there's some big people in the game that don't touch a synthesizer, but then there's, I feel like the people who are the most revolutionary are the ones in the synth. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. It's a little double edged sword. There's no right or wrong answer for that. And I do ask, there isn't. I do ask that to everybody. Oh, established artists, up and comers. I ask that to everybody. There's, and I tell them there's no right or wrong answer. It's just your own personal opinion or preference of what you think about it. In my opinion, I feel like it is a necessity for an up and coming producer to learn how to sound designing because now in today's, yeah, you should know the basics. Of course, you should know how to get around a synth. Yeah, because now a lot of the music that it's been doing now it's becoming more sound driven. Like mm-hmm. you, and you don't want to sound the same uh, as any of these artists. You want to stand down and be like, "Oh yeah, that's a Wolfson song. Oh yeah. yeah, that's a Zoink song. Oh yeah, that's a that song." You know, you don't want to be associated. Oh yeah, I've heard this sound from you know from this guy and from this other guy. You know, so definitely. Th- so so that in that aspect, I always do believe that it is definitely necessary. I mean, f- shit for fuck's sake. Some of my good friends, homies on um, Fox D and Prize, they're in the house scene, killing it right now. Yeah. Yet those guys are right. They they show me the session. They sound design. They're into mm-hmm. house. House is. Uh, I mean, yeah, house is known for the splice loops. Yeah, exactly. I mean, exactly. The, at Icon, it's like eighty uh, percent house. Kids, I can imagine. I can. Yeah. I can imagine. And there's always that. 20- you know, they got they got like ten audio tracks in their projects, <laughs> and it's all splice loops. And they're like, check out this banger I just made. Shout out to my homies, though. <laughs> oh my god, bro! Like, dude. <laughs> and, and you know what's the fucked up thing about that is that I have a homie that that's making it. He's like killing it right now in the house scene. And I interview him in, in the podcast and the guy literally does not sound design. He just does um splice loops and for somehow <laughs> gets released on, you know, on 4B's label. Diplo's oh, now God. making songs with him. I'm <laughs> like, I'm like, all I had to do was download splice sounds and ban. I could make a banger with fucking Skrillex. That's what it takes. Like, what the <laughs> fuck did I just do, man? Where did I go wrong? And it's funny, like, bro. Uh, dubstep's like the only genre that like cares about using splice samples almost. Dubstep and drum and bass, basically anything yeah. in the bass scene cares. Bass scene. Yeah, they all care about sound design. Like they can tell right away if you're using a splice sound. And, it, and it's so easy because people will just go on Twitter and just complain about it and be like, oh, oh, oh. <laughs> You're using Splice Sound. I know that. That's from the Virtual Riot sample pack. I know it because I have it too. Yeah. By the way, check my SoundCloud. <laughs> the shameless plug in the comments. Oh my God. Aren't they shameless, man? I, I had a lot of people DMing, you know, like, yo, Wilson, we should collab, man. This, you know, this this collab is fire. And this will get you back in the map. And I'm like, I never left the map. Yeah, thank you for what? Yeah, <laughs> awkward. Yeah, like I and I'm I'm very honest. I'm just telling fans, but no fans, man. And by the way, this is not how you approach somebody for a collaboration. 
Yeah. <laughs> like I gotta say it. I have to say it because if I if I don't say it, they will never learn. And they'll keep doing that on everybody. And then all of a sudden you got this bitter person. Oh fuck everybody. Nobody wants to collab with me. You know, I'm yeah. a Sheldon. I'm gonna be the next, you know, you know, fucking Martin Garrett's of dubstep. He's like, all right, yeah. man. We're just yeah. telling you how the game works, man. But yeah, if you wanna <laughs> You know, tell everybody to fuck off and, you know, that, all right, that's that's your own thing, man. Mm -hmm. Do you, boo-boo. Do you. So you're from uh, Miami, right? Uh, I was born and raised in Puerto Rico. Oh, and, okay. And then I moved to Miami eight years ago. Yeah. So you've been in the Florida scene a while. Yeah. I've been in the Florida scene for a while. Um, The nightlife, however, I've been in the nightlife for almost 20 no, I'm, I'm exaggerating. Is it 20 years? Wait, I'm 32. Seven, 17 years. 17 years I've been in the nightlife <laughs> scene. Yeah. 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 So like any, if anything, I feel like Puerto Rico's not, uh, scene is much more shady than Miami. And that's, that's a lot for me to say. Yeah. Miami is uh, yeah. the base scene's not not good. <laughs> yeah, like if I would have known that, I was when playing I those uh, those no filter Thursday treehouse events for a while. Oh, really? Yeah, that was fun, but I I just feel like I never did as good as I could have for some reason. I don't know what it is about base Miami. Uh, I feel like Bass itself doesn't have any love on Miami. Miami doesn't love Bass for some reason. Yeah, it's, it's all house. Yeah, it, 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 it's and let me tell you, it's always been like that. Even yeah. when I got here, it's always been house all around. No matter where you go, it's house is like the most acceptable genre to do anything. When it comes to Bass, it's like, oh, what is this shit? Yeah. The only the only period, the only period in which bass was allowed in Miami, like when I say allowed, it was like playing um Wingwood, playing um club space, club yeah. the hard nightclub at the time, you know, the hangar. It was the the festival trap era. Yeah, like the 2014, 2015. 2016, you know, yeah. around there. Yeah, that was the era of that Festival Trap. That was like the best, the latest time ever. And that was yeah. the only, only time in which bass was acceptable, you know, when yeah. Trap was around. Yeah, literally. And then, well, uh, yeah, like no. the Treehouse Miami thing, it's like they would have house or tech house in the other room <laughs> that would be more popping than the the headliner dubstep act they have going on seriously in the main room. and it's just like all right it's just it'll never work down here because <laughs> i mean like a treehouse they were getting good names that whole half a year right down there when they were doing the no filter thursdays they had everyone come through there did it really packed even on a on a thursday the only time it was like out of control was like Mar when Marotta came and that was a yeah it's like all the other nights the house room would be doing better <laughs> see that's it was so weird yeah it's very weird but then again when even when I was starting up here in Miami um bass was always loved in the Broward area like anywhere in the Fort Lauderdale in Fort the Lauderdale. Pompano Boca those when club cinema was a thing. Oh, you know, my first and last <laughs> show was in cinema that you played. 
Yeah. Uh, oh, really nice. <laughs> My first show was I opened for uh, it was me and Audigy back to back. And we opened for Jello Claw. Oh that gosh. was my first show. And my last show with with Cinema was um the Borgor show. And I opened <laughs> up for Borgor and I was just by myself and I was Oh my gosh, Borgor was crazy back then. Oh man. And especially <laughs> especially when he brings all the all the <laughs> girls up on stage and let them twerk. I'm like, motherfucker, what? This is dubstep. Don't I don't need this twerking shit. And he's got a girlfriend. That's the craziest part. Or a wife. Or I don't know how even the wife lets him do all that shit. And he just like signs everyone's ass cheats and shit and just takes pictures. I'm like, I don't know how these Israelis like do their things, man. It, I, I know, I know, I do that, and my fiance will hang me up, man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Straight up, so it's like I, I, I don't know, but that that was wild. The Borgor era was pretty wild back then, and I and I I fuck with Borgor a lot more back then than I do right now. I don't know. I, I haven't seen some, most of his stuff, so I can't critique him much. But yeah, I it do, seems like he's just playing shows still off of yeah. He's just what playing, he had going on. Yeah, <laughs> but it. But I feel like before he was much more of a wild boy. Before he, I don't know, maybe between him and the label and I don't know. I feel like it, he was a pretty wild boy. He was just like more like, oh, yeah, you know, now it's more me. He was more of like a celebrity than a DJ <laughs> at one point. Like it just looked like he was winning the rock star lifestyle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you listen to some of his songs, I mean, like he raps, sings, and produces DJs. I'm like, damn, dog. <laughs> yeah. I he, mean, it's, him and Carnage were the biggest influences on me getting into really EDM. Like, yeah, Carnage was the first, like, like obviously, like I heard Skrillex back mm. in the day, like when I got my first iPods and stuff. And, right. It never really resonated to me until like that trap era started mm. happening. Like Carnage, like back in the 2013 eras, when he was uploading all of his live show sets to SoundCloud, and like mm. they would have his mic recording of him going crazy and stuff. That was like the ultra videos, like the recap right. videos and stuff. That was just the best time for EDM. <laughs> that was a great era in EDM, man. The big room era. Yeah. Big. You had dubs popping off too. Seriously, like that whole era was just insane. That was <laughs> that was fire, man. Like it, that's when Ultra Miami was like out of this world, bro. Yeah, <laughs> Miami was a zoo. They did it two weekends and like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> bro. Let me tell you, I feel like I felt. I, f I maybe I'm maybe it's just me and my own biasy, but I feel like Ultra at his peak when it was like the best best was the 2015 when I attended for the first time. Yeah, because that's where like shit. A lot of people were just like monsters. Like I remember <laughs> yeah. I've seen. Uh, knife party at his peak. Porter Robinson with the whole language album playing on live. Fucking Martin Garrett with all the OG songs that he had before he moved out of Spinning Records. Hartwell. 
Fuck, bro. I remember that the closing was fucking Skrillex and then and Skrillex and then Diplo to do his Jack Ju shit. That's where I felt like, bro, this is EDM. Yeah. This is EDM. Right here. Yeah. That it almost brings back like goosebumps thinking about that time. <laughs> Even though I wasn't a part of it, I was still in high school begging my parents to let me go to ultra <laughs> yo yo i would just see the recap videos on youtube and i'd be like oh, i missed it <laughs> oh bro bro the energy was there yeah, the energy well. was there like i i saw squirrels i was just like oh my god this shit is really happening bro and i see everybody just going nuts in fact i saw a fucking fucking couple guys like going up the tree and start doing yeah. monkey shit. I'm like, what is going on? Yeah. <laughs> uh, that was such an era, man. And after and they like, they didn't have ultra for a couple of years. This after it got bad. And <laughs> yeah, bro. Like after that, I felt like ultra with definitely the year I went in 2017. Mm-hmm. It was, oh, yeah, it's like y'all have hard copy tickets. All my friends are getting their tickets stolen out of their backpacks because we're all on God who knows what. <laughs> yo, yo. People got their phones stolen. Uh, it was always like the it's a city festival. So <laughs> yeah, that happens once a year. Thank God. Yeah. <laughs> but now that as I'm, as I'm older, I do appreciate more the the Miami Music Week shows. Mm. Yeah, I appreciate a lot more, more than going to Ultra. <laughs> absolutely, man. Because yeah. it's because um the shows itself, the variety is right there, bro. Mm-hmm. Like you can tell right away. Like, oh, I want to go to the Disciple Takeover. Fuck, we can go there. We can. Ah, I want to go to the Monster Cat pool party. Oh shit, we can go there. It's just there's so much variety, and it's not that expensive. It's just you know. Yeah, you uh, can just appreciate more because yeah. and, and the fact the fact is that you can have the same artist that you're like literally cheering mm-hmm. for. They can literally be next to you, hanging and chilling, and you could just yeah. get to meet them and be like, "Yo, your shit is dope, man." Never stop. Next man. year, I'm gonna be down there for Miami Music Week for sure. I told Landon, no lie. Hell yeah! Shout I'm out to No Lie, brother. Yeah, I'm gonna come down there and vibe with them for my music week. Absolutely. You know what's well, funny? We'll have to link up. Yeah. Ah, absolutely. You know what's funny is that I met Landon through Miami Music Week. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah, literally. On a show that we we were both invited to go uh, from Underground Events. Shout out to Chris, uh, Lorenzo, and Andy. Uh, those guys are the G, man. They they had Zoop Stool. And they had like two other bass artists that I totally forgot. I'm sorry, I, I totally forgot. But then you got like the whole local stage and you got local artists playing there. And it was just all bass music overall. And then I met I met Lo, uh, No Lie because I was I was doing interviews. Mm-hmm. So I had a camera and a voice recorder and I had a little spot in the in the lounge area for the green room for all the artists. And I basically start pulling people out. It's like, hey, you want to sit down with me and have a conversation? Um, Do an interview with me, you know? And we just did. And then I just met 
and land them from that. And he sat down and we just started talking. <laughs> Yo, we just started talking nonstop about certain things. And then afterwards, I asked him, like, Yo, do you want to have a like an actual sit down with me on my podcast show on, on an actual interview with you? And he's like, Yeah. I'm like, <laughs> We, and then I, and then we did it. And I just released the episode not too long ago, you know? Yeah, he's the homie. Uh, I met him through, he just hit me up to take production lessons from me. And, uh, <laughs> I was halfway through the lesson, I was listening to his music. I was like, why are you hitting me up for lessons, kid? Like, <laughs> I was like, you're good. <laughs> no, he's, he's definitely dope, man. Some of the yeah. songs that he's been releasing, man, it, it's, it's like, fuck, bro. Like, there yeah. you go. This is like our actual tear out uh, producer, man. I fuck with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we... Ever since then, we've just been, we chill on Zoom every night <laughs> just while we produce. We just, they're Discord. So we've been getting good online friends. That's pretty dope. Now, he he mentioned me that that, that he was part of a collect a, a collective. Now, were you part of that co- same collective no, as well? Or no. You never I've, uh, I've been approached by a couple collectives, but like, mm-hmm. I just don't think it ever ends well. <laughs> Really? How's that? The commitment level usually isn't equal. Mm. And like very few of them do well. Like the only one that's done well in the last five years is the grocery boys. My homies, grocery boys, shout out to those guys. But even still, like it, it, it could be a lot bigger than it is. But it could be a lot bigger than it is for sure. I can, I can, let me push back a little bit on that. The thing is, this all started, the Grocery Boys, it all started with uh, just a couple of, you know, people playing video games. Mm-hmm. They they never met uh, from different states. And it all started with one person saying, oh, yeah, I'm a music producer. It's like, dope, me too. And so on. we should link up and this and that. And then from playing video games, it became a collective to what it is right now. This is like years in development. Now they're starting to have the structure. Yeah, I see that. They're they're doing that show and stuff. I think if they keep doing that, it it could become something. But yeah. And it's like th- th- you gotta make it a priority though. Yeah. You gotta make it a priority. But the main dude, Mantic, Ryan, he's making sure that it's becoming a priority and anybody who are like the founding fathers of the, of the collective, he lets them know, it's like, yo, you need to take this shit seriously because we want this to be like bigger than what it should be, you know? And we, and we want to support all the homies. We want to support everybody that's in the collective and we want to push everybody and everybody that that's that's within the grocery boys you know if you guys shows that everybody feel comfortable enough to play every single id from the from the collective instead of you know getting like oh you know i got a couple songs from these other artists from disciple subsidia and never say die and whatnot like no no all the songs came from the groceries and they're all IDs for each one. It makes your set unique and diverse because nobody knows where they're coming from. Everybody will be expect. Oh, he's gonna play like a Zomboy song, you know? That's to be expected. Like, nope. And I'm and I admire these guys. Like the now the commitment that's getting pushed right now 
finally able to do their first festival show in a sense. It's not really a festival. It's more of a huge event. But the fact that they managed to pull that through, next step is just making sure it becomes an imprint, you know? Yeah. And then and then its own booking agency and then its own... Multi- it's going to become a multimedia thing. It's going to be bigger than any of, any of us, you know? I'm, I'm, I'm glad. I'm happy that... Dr. Ushu, Danny, and, and Mantic invited me to be part of them. And I met so many wonderful guys from there, you know. That's awesome. And, but yeah, I can understand how it could sometimes be a little bit frustrating when you're getting into these collectors because you expect them to just share the same love as they as if you were giving them, you know. Like if if you were to release a song. You expect for them to, you know, repost it, like it, comment, and do why not. Then when you see the end results not happening, you get disappointed. You feel like, damn, bro, then what was the whole love about it? Oh, but you expect me to repost your song and comment it and like it, right? Mm-hmm. But you don't get to do that to me. Yeah, it's messed up. And I have like a few collectors here and there that I've been part of as well that they're in, in this that weren't almost in the same boat as that, you know. But f- luckily for me, uh, grocery boys is different. Grocery boys definitely are very supportive. I mean, shit, that's how I managed to get m- the at least the grand majority of the boys over to my podcast show. Mm-hmm. That's awesome. Yeah. So like yeah, I'm good. Fr- I'm good friends with uh, Jay Moss. I'm pretty sure he's a part of that. Oh, Jay Moss. I have. I still. Yeah. I still haven't. You know, it's funny that I still haven't had a conversation with him. I haven't talked to him properly. It was always more a "Hey, how are you? Hey, good to see you," and that's it. So it, it, I feel like yeah. he and I like never clicked right away because we never had those interactions. Versus Robbie Infinite. I click with him right away. Mantic, I click with him right away. Fox, I click with him. And every other person that I mentioned that's been on the show, I click with them right away, you know? And I and I chat with them. I stay in touch with them. But yeah, Jamos, I know Jamos is definitely one of the founding fathers uh, of the whole of the whole collected. And yeah, he does definitely gets his thing, you know. I wish I could actually talk to him a little bit more. Yeah, you should. He's a uh, very nice. Uh, me and him have gotten closer ever since we collabed and stuff. And oh, that's dope. Yeah, he brought me out to his show when he was in LA and stuff. So it's been dope. That's pretty dope. Yeah, one, very appreciative of the boy. That's good, man. Now, one thing I will say, like, it's always good to network around people, man, and especially people like these collectors as well, because you never know when they can actually, like, help you out in the long run, you know, or, you know, yeah. it's, oh, it's uh, maybe it's something that I come already probably already told you about it, but if they're not like, you know, network your, your mind, your mind should always be networking 24 seven nonstop, you know, even through, even from, yeah. from the phone, man. I mean, the way you and me network, it, it was because of no lie and mm-hmm. no lie was because I was, I was, you know, I was in that show. And the way I got to that show, it's because I networked myself in Instagram and DM the the main dudes of that event, and we became buddies. And you know, it becomes all a domino effect of how yeah. how I got to certain people. Like how I got to this person. Oh, it's because of this person. Thanks to that guy. Yeah, that's uh, it's awesome to see. Yeah. 
and it's cool to realize later how it all happened. It's pretty though. Like you, unfortunately, you can never do this by yourself. You know. Oh no, <laughs> that's a impossible to do it by yourself. It's a very impossible role for you to do it by yourself. Some for now, I'm doing it by myself on my on my podcast. So it's because. I don't know the people that are that are, that are doing podcasts in the EDM scene. I don't know if they're very cooperative or collaborative mm. as I would have. You know, yeah. I'm I'm bleeping this name out, but um, Lizzie Jane. She, I was like, I try to reach her out to do a collaboration, you know, or to or her to come over to the show, but her manager blew me off, and I and I took it like not too personal about it because I get it, it's business and. I'm just starting now and she's already getting there. But at the same time, it's like, like we're two podcast games. We're all fighting for the same cause. You know, we're trying to help each other out. One thing I always learned, and this is something that you should keep an eye on if you ever get represented by a manager. If somebody reaches out to you and they, and they tell you, yo, I want to do an interview for you. It don't matter how many followers you have or how many followers the person who's interviewing. If that person that's interviewing is doing it for free, take it because it's free publicity for you. You yeah, didn't, you, I mean, you get, I didn't, ha I didn't hesitate when you texted me. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> <laughs> Automatically, you're getting free publicity for me. So, <laughs> but, but yeah, like you always take free, like, especially it's free because do you have any idea that some of these um, interviews that these artists get from like, let's just say from these blocks like Dancing Astronaut or ADM.com or even the ones in Syria, and you honestly believe that they do, do, do that for the goodness of their heart and say like, hey, come over to interview us? No, it's a paycheck. It's a paycheck, man. It's definitely a paycheck. And obviously, you take the paycheck because, because like, holy God, look at that. It's so-and-so from Sirius at Sam or it's, oh my God, it's Dancing Answer. You know, like, uh, uh. obviously, but they're all paychecks, man. If, if an interview is asking like you... The, like Dancing Astronauts getting paid? Oh, you want to interview with us? Oh, it's going to cost you like this much because we need to pay our, edit, our editors, our... Our writers, our journalists, you know, for the piece and whatnot. All the blogs are like that. All the blogs are like that. You tell me one blog and any blog that listens to this and tells me otherwise that I'm wrong, show me the Carfax. <laughs> Basic. It's it's a it's a metaphor, guys. All right. Don't take it yeah. too literally. Like you don't need to show me how many times you crash your car. It's it's a metaphor. But it's basically the same concept. Show me the carpet. Like, show me your papers. Like, if it's true, tell me who is it that, that is not under your payroll, you know? And tell me if I'm lying that some of these labels or managements or agencies don't give you a certain amount of percentage for you to, to do the piece. Because why else would you be doing the blogs? Why else are you, would you, as a journalist, would you be, you know, doing this for free? Like, it makes yeah. no sense. So if somebody ever asks you to, hey, can you like, are you done to do an interview like me? Say yes, because you never know if you never know if ten years from now, I can be as big as Dancing Dance or not, 
and you can just like, I could just be like, yo, Soins. Yeah, he's one of my first guys that, you know, I interview and yeah, he's big and he's killing it right now in the scene. And he's like, you should check him out. You, the latest song is just dope. That's already free publicity for that's, me, for that's you. That's the goals, bro. That's the goals, you know, that's the goals. So the fact that they rejected my offer and, and it's and it's not just that team, but a lot of teams... A lot of managers that reached out rejected my offer, you know, to do these free interviews for their artists. I feel like that alone is already bad management. Now, hear me out. I know some of, some of them will push back. It's like, well, your numbers are not up. So why should we take a chance? Well, here's the thing. You don't lose anything at all. If, if you feel like you're going to lose anything, maybe it's your time. Maybe. It's just a conversation. It's just a conversation. I'm not asking like, hey, have you heard I've hey, I've heard rumors that you've you've done this, this, and bad, you know? I'm yeah, not, it's not I, like you're pressing. Yeah, and I and and I'm very courteous about that stuff. And I always write down topics and and I said the number is like, hey, these are more or less what we're talking about. Is it okay? Some of them tell me, hey, can you take that off and not talk about this, you know? We're not trying to angle this. And I'm like, ah, no problem. <laughs> Done. Done. No That's problem. That's the right way to handle it. And if we do, and if we do end up talking about it, I always give them the chance, like, hey, here's a here's the interview to do you guys approve it? No, we don't like. Could you take this part out? I was like, yeah, no problem. Done. Yeah. Do you approve the whole thing now? Oh, yeah, yeah. Now it's perfect. All right, there you go. That's all. That's it. Yeah. That's, that's it. So I always bring this, you know, level of respect to the artist. And I want them to always know, like, I'm here for you guys. I'm, I will never sabotage anyone's career unless they try to aim at me. That's a different story. But I will never sabotage anyone's careers. And the only thing I'm asking is just to sit down and have a conversation with me. That's it. And, and have your followers, your fans, your listeners here. They Here, want as much content from you as possible. Well, not not only did they want as much content from you as possible, that but they want to they want to know you more. Yeah, they want to hear the conversations. They want to hear your struggles. They want to hear your like all the shenanigans that you had to endure, you had to do to get to where you are, you know? They want to hear your human side. Because a lot of times a lot of artists are being treated like robots, like no every artist is perfect to the T. And once and once one artist does some shit, oh, let's cancel him. Like, dude, we're all humans, man. Unless I you mean, do you can't find many uh long interviews of dubstep DJs. Like other than the sidewalk talks, that's about it. The only one that I know and and, and it's probably back to back with Willie Joy and and uh, Mr. Bill's podcast. Mm. Probably those are the only two. And Lizzie Jane, sure, Lizzie Jane does her thing. But I don't feel their conversations are pretty long. And I feel like their conversations are more direct and Q&A. Yeah. Versus, Q &A yeah, it's it's all Q&A based versus, yeah. versus what 
we're currently doing right now. It's just having a sit talk. That's why I really like uh, Taboo's podcast. Taboo's podcast? Yeah. Um, he does like hour, two hour long conversations with the guys that Dope. he has on. Dope. And uh, he doesn't do many views either. He's only doing like two, 300, 400 views a video, but he puts one out every week. Dope. He loves to do it. Um, do you know Taboo? No, I've never heard of it. I'm going to check him out uh, right now. He, He's a experimental DJ. He's like pretty big in the experimental scene. Oh, it, does he have the the A as a V? Yeah. Okay, then probably I have heard or seen his name before. You've definitely seen his name around for sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Oh, so I didn't know he has a podcast. That's actually pretty good. I'm gonna hit him up for that. Yeah, he has a podcast and uh, yeah. Every week he has people on I've never heard of before. People I've heard of. Big heads, little heads. That's dope. Agent people. That's dope. See, those those are people those are also people that try to get to the show, but they're yeah. very my favorite one was the one he did with uh Disco Donnie. That was legendary. <laughs> Yo <laughs> that's fire. Disco Donnie. You should try to get him on. <laughs> that's my peoples. That's my peoples. I need to get him here, man. Shit. Yeah. Let's go, Donnie. Jeez. I mean, like any big promoters that I ever had was probably Lucho from Apex. Uh, and and to me, that was like, holy crap, that was that's big, man, for me. Mm-hmm. But shit, I need to get some of the industry people. I should get more in the industry. But, but like I said, it's a cool different like look on how stuff works. It's like seeing those podcasts it's it's a cool change of pace for see, sure see that and that's why i interview uh, that's why i don't just stick with interviewing artists i also stick with interviewing other people from other industries or other genres or other um work lines in within the music industry like okay. like like the underground events people the i interviewed those guys because they're doing their for the first time their own festival shows in miami Mm. Uh, and this was then when they were starting to pop right now in January. That's past January. They done so like they done like at least three or four festivals in one year in wow. Miami. Base, experimental base. That, that, oh, yeah. They're yeah. very into the experimental base, but they do support all other genres with house and base. And they do mm. and they do pay their locals. They do okay. pay their locals, which is very admirable. Not something that yeah. a lot of festivals do or a lot of promoters do. Hey, I Yeah. I never got paid for the shows I played in Miami. I'm still waiting for my life and color checks. <laughs> <laughs> never, no. never getting, getting it. Cause those motherfuckers, um, bankrupts, they declare chapter 11. So, well, there goes my money. Wow. Yeah, no. Maybe. What, what year was that? Uh, I DJ at their festival in 2016. Okay. Did it again at 17. And since then, I've still be waiting for... And at that time, between 16 and 17, that's where I heard the rumors that they're filing Chapter 11 and shit. Yeah. I mean, yeah, as a younger artist, it's hard because the people leverage the show. Like I just got booked in Texas and Dallas, and you know That's I didn't get my I didn't get dope. my 
I didn't get my flight paid for. I didn't get paid for the show. <laughs> oh, shit. <laughs> Bad deal, but I got to play in front of people. So it's like, what am I going to do? Uh, you got to start somewhere. Yeah. That's like, all I got to say. <laughs> like, yeah. Got to start somewhere, man. You got to start somewhere. It's like, oh, people tell me I should have said no, but it's like, I've been dying to play in front of people. Right. <laughs> I feel I feel you with that, man. I feel you. And I feel like that's one of the reasons why I actually just did that whole promoter TJ concept because I definitely want to play for people. And I was tired like of waiting to yeah. for my moment. Like, I want to seize the moment. I don't want to wait for it, you know? But as I look back, I will say that I I did like almost over 500 hours of a street promo. Uh fuck. I wish I could go back and get, gain those 500 hours back hours in the Ableton. Exactly. <laughs> I could That's what people tell me about uh so I was like, oh, man, I might join the Wasted Presents crew over here. And people are like, yeah, you're just going to be promoting the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they were selling the dream. They were selling yeah. the dream. They were saying like, hey, you can, per can perform in Life of Color. They did. I mean, they did. They gave me the slot for Life of Color, but at what cost? Well, 500 hours of my time. Yeah. I could have used those. 500 hours of myself and probably I could have been a little bit more far off than what I am right now. Probably. Who knows? But I, I do know that those 500 hours could be very useful for Ableton hours. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> yeah, bro. But other genres that you're willing to explore other than bass? So... With Icon, we've kind of had like these collaboration sessions where we're assigned like a demo that we have to write in a specific genre. Really? And I got assigned a uh, drum and bass and I went down like more of the liquid path, liquid Ooh. drum and bass. And uh, I really liked producing that. So I might do that on my spare time now. <laughs> okay. Okay. So it's not just only dubstep that you'll be doing, you know. You can also experiment uh, yeah. a little bit. I like uh, I like making like tech house too and stuff as oh. well. I just don't find as much time to do that. <laughs> I don't know. Is isn't tech house a little bit easier? <laughs> yeah, it's easy. So like, I just like never spend the time on it. But like, it's popping off right now. I look at John Summit. And I just yeah. see how big he is right now, and I'm just yeah. like. Okay, he's making money. <laughs> My favorite dubstep producer probably isn't making that much money. <laughs> I don't know why the fuck it's like that. Like, house people get heavily compensated, and then dubstep producers are like making pennies at the dime. Yeah, that's some fucked yep. up shit. We need to we need to change that. We need to change that, man. We need to change that. Yeah. Um. Question, have you ever thought of doing collaborations outside of, you know, icon people? Yeah, I've done a bunch. Um, 
I had the No Sphere with. I mean, I've had had the collab with No Sphere come out on oh. uh, Hesh's label. Oh, in, in March, and uh, I'm getting ready to release a collab in September. That's I've been sitting on with my boy Jandy for a really long time. Dope. Jandy's from uh, Jupiter, Florida, as well. So that's kind of how I got to meet him. And uh, I just wrapped up a collab with my boy, uh, Joof. I don't know if you heard of Joof. He's from Denver. Really talented producer. But yeah, as far as collabs go, that's what I'm sitting on right now. And what has been like your favorite project up to now that you've worked on that you said like, holy shit, I'm so happy from this project. Call me the devil on my SoundCloud, but mm. it, it didn't do the as good as my other ones <laughs> but that was my favorite <laughs> hey man my favorite i'll tell you my favorite right now on soundcloud is raf all right and it, check it out check it out it's a it's a metal step tear out dubstep track nice it did not do well on soundcloud it like it doesn't have the same numbers as my other tracks but it's definitely my favorite song because I feel yeah. like feel like that song itself is like the most original song that I've it's ever. It's funny done. how that works. Like uh, the party starter flip I put out uh, as my last release was like, you know, I w- I wasn't too thrilled on it. I wasn't, mm. and like I got some feedback from some other producers that were like, eh, it's good, it could be better. And I just said fuck it and released it. And it was right. my be- did my best numbers almost at 15k in like 20 days. Wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> That's wild. And I yeah it just got like picked up and just went off. I don't know. <laughs> my worst song that I've ever done is like 21k. And I still can't believe that people really fuck with that song. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know why. I And I hate the song. I hate it even when I listen to it. It's, it's called King Boo. I fucking hate the song. And I'm myself like, what was I thinking releasing this song? Yet people just, they go nuts with that song. They're like, yeah. at, least, at least in the- it's funny. Uh, at least that's what I see in the SoundCloud numbers. I see like a lot yeah. of people liking it, but I. You it seems never... like all the other producers deal with that too. I don't know why, man. It it's... seems like uh, whatever they think's gonna blow isn't what blows, and what they think's not gonna blow is what blows. So it's like <laughs> that's such that's such a fucking nightmare, bro. <laughs> because it's like no, bro, that's not the one that I like heavily focused check this one this one this one <laughs> this is the one where my ears were bleeding after the session yeah <laughs> i put so much trouble in this <laughs> fuck <laughs> yeah. yeah no man it, it's a gift and a curse for us producers you know when shit like this does happen to us and which is the which is embracing overall you know now I I I'm very curious to ask you this um because I don't know if Icon ever taught you guys this but have has Icon ever taught you guys like what it's like to be um producer in the music industry like any of the 
whereabouts that you should be aware of. You should be alert of, you know, be careful about this and that contracts, people and stuff like that. Um, not too much. So Icon now has like a business program there now. And yeah. And I think they took out a lot of that stuff in the music production and put it in there. Really? Um, we do get one business class in quarter four, but that's a, that's it. Yeah. They put it a lot, all, a lot onto the mentors and stuff to teach you that. Oh, wow. Fuck me. That's not good. Yeah. So like, Icon has definitely changed over the years. Uh-huh. It's a great place. But yeah, it's definitely changed. Uh, it's like not a dubstep hub anymore. Yeah, that's what it was known it's back ve- then. It's very pop oriented. Not like mm. a lot of pop music teachers. And that's kind of what they're trying to move towards. Really? Yeah. Jesus. I mean, it's good. Like I'm learning a lot with music theory and ear training and, mm-hmm. you know, like getting those stuff like really polished but like yeah as far as like dubstep production it's like almost non-existent there (laughs) damn that sucks yeah it's definitely changed a lot i feel i mean they they got a lot of kids in there now they're in a in the new building right kids yeah i feel like and and this was also an issue with my school as well like they they only briefly talk about the music industry as a whole. Like, yeah. you know, be careful about this. Uh, labels are right. That, this and that. But you see, they tell me like the brief story about it. They never explore much of the ugliness that goes behind it. You know, how yeah. I know some of these wild stories that I know that I rant about in my podcast and I talk to a lot of people about it. It's because uh, I, f- I find this a lot hysterical. I find this very hysterical. I found out some of the ugly shit through, through the promotion, through the promoters. Mm-hmm. They'll tell me, you know, certain stories of how artists work and how they get booked for a show. Um, networking, on festivals, I found out certain things that I should have never found out in a sense. Like, I can't believe this shit goes and happens in the industry from, and, and these are people that are A&Rs and managers and artists itself. They tell me these stories. Even the artist tells me their wildest stories in the show. And I'm like, how the fuck is this even possible? <laughs> Like, how is this even like, like, this is exactly why the industry is so fucked. And it gets more fucked up. The fact that fucking, the fucking schools don't talk about this shit. Like, you have to hear some of the ugly stuff from people like me, people like um, your mentors, your, your tutors, you know, people that you look out to. It's the only way that you find out some of, some of this gnarly shit, bro. But you will never yeah. hear it from, from the school itself. No, they don't really teach you how to 
play the game to your advantage. No. And what to take part in and what not to take part in. <laughs> they just tell you, here's how the game works. Okay, now you're on your own. Wait, what? We're, we're about my tools. Like, oh, you don't need tools. It says here that I need tools. Yeah, yeah, you're, you're good to go. Like, yeah. <laughs> so, so it's like, why are why the fuck are we paying you guys if it's you're not guys? Hard. It, it's hard. The whole music school thing, especially a place like Icon. Mm-hmm. Kids are going there expecting that they're going to be good when they leave. And yeah, no, uh, that that you, that's a that's a fool's goal. Yeah, and they expect like the school to be the answer to everything. Yeah, and it's just simply not. And yeah, music is subjective. Yeah, your your teachers, if you know about production, you have knowledge your teachers don't know. They have knowledge you don't know. Everyone mm-hmm. has their own knowledge and you kind of got to take everything with a grain of salt because yeah. at the end of the day, everyone does music differently. Everyone produces differently. Everyone has different tricks they like and yeah. tricks they don't like, even though it works for somebody else. So it's a lot of taking it with a grain of salt and just knowing like what works for you. I agree. It's a huge flaw in this like music school system, especially because they don't specify it like if they had different levels at icon maybe it would be Mm. better like uh you come in and you know this much about production like you're in these classes or not everyone just in the same basic 101 classes (laughs) yeah like it feels like weird that you know your level your level of production fits in the advanced in the advanced class, but yet you're stuck in the in the beginners class. Yeah, you no. should be already in the advanced class, you know. And that, that's something that 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 was like it's similar. like hard. It's like for sound design, like yes, like I should have been in the advanced class, but like for music theory, I like knew nothing about. It, yeah, so it's exactly. Like, it's so weird. Like yeah, but they. It's so hard to judge. Yeah, <laughs> basically, that, that that was like a similar concept to when I enter school. I'm at uh, college. Uh, they didn't put me on any of the beginning classes because they saw how far advanced I was with um, with my college boards exams and my SATs. They said like, "Oh, you're too good to start English 101. You can already start English 201." That's like you know, okay. Like, like instead of taking. English 101 for a semester, I can already start like a year in advance of two semesters with English events, you know? Yeah. So uh, something like that, that's how I started. And I feel like that should be something similar to every other school. Like if your level, if your level of expertise is that high on certain courses, you should start already on the advanced courses. Like you don't need to learn the basics. Like it's, uh, it, that's where I feel like that's a waste of time at that point, you know, because, and I get, I get the school model, the school system, how it works. It's like, you know, you know, even though you know more than us, everybody has to start small, you know, everybody has to start with a group. And this is why you're all grouped together. You need to learn and graduate together. I get it. But what, what if I could, what if I am very well known on certain things that I could have start with the Nets group instead of starting the beginners group. I could yeah. be already intellectually 
on par with the other uh, advanced crew? Why do I have to like, I don't, I don't want to say like I've been dragged down all the way to the one-on-one basis, but it feels like, like I could have just start, I could have already a head start, but you put me on the front, on the, on the way on the back because I'm new. I'm the new yeah. kid in the, in the block, you know? Yeah, definitely. I don't know, man. It's, it's, it's something that I, I don't like about schools as well. Especially, especially, listen to this, especially if you know more than the professor and you challenge the professor, that's where they get very touchy. It's like, yeah. they're the professor. You you don't know nothing what you're talking about. But it's like, okay, maybe I don't know nothing. But what what if I do know a lot more than you do on this subject and I'm challenging you and you cannot have a, you cannot have a, a simple conversation with me. No, because you just want to prove them that you're wrong. And, the, and then that's it. it that, that happens. No, I, I don't like speak up in class like that, but it's definitely mm-hmm. happened with other kids. <laughs> I, I'm definitely one of those kids that like I stay quiet, but when there's something that I do know and somebody dares to challenge me about it, I, I go back and forth like, and I can just show them my actions like here. See, you didn't have to do all this. So, yeah. And, 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 and so, oh, and I, and I know something about, you know, how times have changed and like how things are very different nowadays, especially on quality wise. Remember that was a time in which, you know, if your song is clipping or it's redlining, oh, it's, it's no bueno. Like you need to tone it down. Now it has to be clipping. <laughs> yeah, no. Now if it's clipping, but it's not getting distorted, oh, it's okay. Now it's like acceptable. Yeah. But back then, every every instructor of mine will chew my ass off and say that you're doing it wrong. That yeah, you're that you're letting it clip and you're letting it bleed. Like you can't do that. Yeah, trust <laughs> with my mentor, and he's actually like a old head that you would know mm-hmm. um he when he would see my projects he would say the same thing he's like you're you're clipping like, <laughs> what is going on he like he couldn't wrap his head around it and then he tried it and now that's what he does <laughs> oh get the fuck out of here <laughs> yep <laughs> and now he's ba- making a bunch of music <laughs> even though it's clipping because it's like yeah. oh my god you discover mars and it's like I wasn't the one who discovered that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Damn, bro. I wish I I wish that they could they could teach you guys a little bit more about the business aspect of the industry and you and get you guys much more well prepared for that. You know, I really. I, it's <laughs> something like they don't know because mm. they're because uh, they're go- uh, they're going you, this yeah, on I mean, the fly. I mean, you can cut this part out or whatever, but like they're nah. teaching at I- Icon for a reason. Got you. Okay. <laughs> but cut that part out. I don't want that on there, but. <laughs> oh, I'll, I'll think about it. I'll think about it. Okay. I, I see what I see what you mean about that. Yeah. Um. Well, okay. <laughs> okay. So let's move on. I got a few more questions that we can wrap this up, my man. Something that we definitely talked about earlier was, you know, when you say that you're making music, you can make like five songs per month and then next month it could be one song. 
the term writer's block, do you believe in it? <laughs> My friend Lucas would hate me for saying this, but yeah, I do believe in it. <laughs> why, is that? Why, why is that that you believe in it? And what do you do to get out of it? Remember, there's no right or wrong answers. I believe in it because I think it has to come down to motivation. I don't know if it's like okay. you're just blocked. I think it's just like right. you're used to like, it's hard to start with a blank canvas sometimes, you know, and like you're used to your finished product and you're mm -hmm. starting from the bare bones again and you can kind of just get frustrated with the beginning processes and then right. it just starts going around in your mind and you know next thing you know it's like a week of you talking down on yourself and then and that turns into like a month of not writing music yep the I ways i get out of the ways i get out of it it's just pretty much you know one day i'm just like fuck it i don't care what it sounds like i don't mm -hmm. care what happens i'm just gonna fuck around and then you know usually it, that's when a good spurt happens Well, that's actually a very good fame, man. And because my friend Lucas, uh, he goes by the DJ name uh, Raptorum, and uh, he quotes Hero Bus all the time on this that writer's block doesn't exist. Like, you just keep trying. Listen, 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 <laughs> listen. Hero Bus, shout out to him as well. Uh, listen, listen. If I tell you all the people that I've interviewed here, I can tell you that. Like at least a good 70% of the people that I've interviewed believe in writer's block and then the other 30, they don't. There's literally no right or wrong answer. And everybody has their own way of saying they yes, writer box exists and no writer box doesn't exist. I mean, I can tell you my nitty gritty is my whole me my brother for another mother and he will tell me that there's no such thing as writer's block. Uh, the, the concept of writer's block is like what here, this is his theory. Um, writer's block for people is um, what people norm uh, more uh, normally do nowadays is that they're just not writing the tune that they want or that they want to hear. It's they feel like that's, you know, the tunes are just suck and, And and to then they're not reaching to that, so that's their writer's part because it's not getting there, and they get this this motivated. But it's not really writer's part because anybody can just go ahead and pick up a laptop and just do something. It could be anything. Writer's block is considered to be you know when John Mayer is not writing a song, that's writer's block. And I'm like that's kind of very deep, but I had to push him back on that one because say like well. That may be true. And maybe it's because of laziness as well. Maybe it's because people are lazy about it. But people do get writers, right? And, and, it's, it, it's, and it is a, a real thing because there's times in which, like, like, like you said, motivation. You're not motivated enough to do something. So what, what should you do? Oh, well, sound design or write another genre. Okay, those are ways to... To get you motivated and get you out of the writer's spot. But that still proves the fact that, well, the fact that you're not writing a song it's or writing or writing a session, it's because you're mentally blocked and you're mentally exhausted. It's like not that you can't write a song. It's almost like can't get the idea. It's like the writing the song is the shortest part of the process. Like it's finding the idea that's like the hardest like when you're just trying to find that sound but like it's gonna be the song or like it, it just 
yeah i always say that writing the tune is literally the easiest and shortest part of the process <laughs> it's think it's creating the idea of what you're trying to put it's out like there once when you're able to write the song you're already flowing so like, yeah. you're not even thinking it's just like when you're in that thinking process of trying to like be in the synth to get that sound it's just like can be demoralizing almost when you're not getting that idea right. to spark yeah <laughs> And 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 let me put it this perspective. This is something that I've been telling a lot of people, and people are like, "Holy shit, I didn't thought about that way." But I was like, "Well, kind of is true." When so here's how I view writer's block. I feel like writer's block comes from your brain, right? That, that you're mentally blocked. You can't do anything, right? I see brains as as a supercomputer. As a SSD supercomputer, you know how SSD hard drives are. They write and they read. It's mm -hmm. not like any other fusion hard drives that they, they can read stuff and then they'll write stuff, but they can't do both simultaneously. So I feel like our brains are like SSD hard drives that mm -hmm. they read and write, read and write all the time. At a certain point, it's going to get full up. Like yeah. You're full of it. Like it's getting full up and you cannot process or learn new things and you're just like blocked after that it's like fuck so what do i do well you do stuff that outside of it that does does not require for you to read and write you do stuff that it's basically functions that your body does automatically for example mm -hmm. when you go brush your teeth do you think about brushing your teeth or you just do it automatically without thinking twice When you go eat something, do you think about eating the cheeseburger or is it just like you already know how to eat a cheeseburger? It's just your broad body reacts to it. Well, that shit's inhaled. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, when you're driving. Yeah, I'll fuck up a double smash. <laughs> a double bacon with egg, with a fried egg. Yeah, that, that's, that shit will set me off flying. <laughs> but, even, even, but even with that, even with that, like, When you're taking a dump, you're not thinking about taking a dump. It's just your body's telling you that you got to go and you just do it, you know, without thinking about it. It's just, it does it automatically. And when you're taking a shower, you're not thinking of it. It's just your body reacts automatically without thinking about it. When yeah. those moments happen that your body does stuff that does not require to think about, That's when your brain starts to breathe a little bit and starts to inhale more information. And that's where the creative process starts to like spin out of control because you you overthink so much that you're given time to think that when you're doing something that does not require a think and freezes up the space, the creative process just go nuts and just like go. And that's why. That's why there's this, the, the running joke or the running mean about, you know, about your best ideas comes from the shower. Because, yeah, the shower, you're not thinking of you taking a shower. It just doesn't matter. At that moment, that's when you think about the idea. You're like, holy crap, I can do this. Like, holy crap, I know how to fix this project. Holy crap, I know what to do. Holy crap, I know I have the sound. I just had to get out of the shower and go open a session and start doing it. And bam, that's when oh, shit yeah. hits it. So, and it's, and when I say this to a lot of people, the way I would explain it, it's kind of weird, but I try to get the point across. And 
it makes a lot of sense. Psychologically, your brain it just needs a breather. And that's and you know, and that's how you get out of the funk, you know, most of the time. Other stuff is because other stuff is, you know, go hang out with your friends or spend time with your girl or your family or go to the movies or do stuff that you would actually fairly enjoy, you know, happy fucks, happy stuff yeah. that you enjoy. And you can get out of there much quicker as well as like that as well. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, and let me, right. uh, let me ask you this, bro. Why is it that you actually name yourself um, Zoinks? Uh, it wasn't my idea. I oh, just, okay. Uh, I was uh, just, you know, got into producing. And one night I was just smoking with my friend. And I was like, oh, what am I going to call myself? And he just said it. And I was like... Yes. Dope. Dope. <laughs> I was like, yes, I'm running with that. <laughs> I was like, perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, let me tell you, uh, we got three more questions and we can wrap this up. All right, my man? For sure. Let's do it. All right. So, so far, what has been your greatest accomplishment? Greatest accomplishment is getting to a thousand followers on SoundCloud this year. Boom. I set, I set that. I was like, sub... 150 at the beginning of the year and uh wow i said by the end of the year i want to hit a thousand and i did that by june and so i'm gonna crush that goal this year absolutely and the <laughs> and how is it that you market yourself you said that you that you release to a song every two weeks but other yeah. than just releasing your song what is the process that you do that you market your threats or market yourself to get to those followers um, so like all those songs are free downloads mm. and for the free download, you got to follow my SoundCloud, my Instagram, you got to like comment and repost the track. Mm. So it's a pretty deep download gate, but I mean, if you're going to download my tune for free, I feel like you should support me everywhere. Right. <laughs> and that's kind of just how I've been gaining all the fans and stuff on Instagram and SoundCloud. Do you, do you use any monetary use to to promote or market your songs or yourself out there in any of these social medias and if you haven't why is it i have for like soundcloud mm -hmm. before through like the repost chains and stuff but they sometimes i don't know don't work the best and so like the organic growth is like the best thing you can do because on spotify if you're paying to get playlisted somewhere and that kind of a thing they can and you get caught mm. that like they, they can take your account away oh really yeah um because like spotify's like the playlisting supposed to like all be done by them like it's not through like third-party companies and mm. stuff there's a lot of services out there and there's a lot of guys using them <laughs> and wow um it i can just say one thing it's just better to get your song uh submitted to spotify 40 days in advance and do the playlisting pitching yourself because that's just going to be the safest route to get your stuff out there because the worst thing you can do is put this money into spotify promo run up your numbers next thing yeah. you, know, you wake up and your account's deleted yeah that's no bueno <laughs> or all your songs are taken down or whatever oh the no price is. oh no <laughs> Oh, no, no, no. Yeah, I mean, and there's guys on agencies right now that I've mm -hmm. seen. I know the playlists that are through those services and you see it on their page and stuff. And you're like, how is this guy 
picked up by an agency it just doesn't make sense but i know i'm just gonna stay true to myself and just let the organic growth kind of talk for itself we got one more question and we can wrap it up but before we get to that question uh i give this opportunity to all my interviewers you know to ask me a question about me or or about the industry or any inside knowledge whether it's you know labels or you know, agencies, managements, or bit contracts of business and shit like that that I've, I've done over the years. Do you have any question in particular that you want to ask me that you always want to ask to somebody that's within the industry and know how to get to it? What's the best way to network? So there's various answers to this question. The best way how I networked, this was one of, this is one way. This is not the only way. This is one way. One way is to, well, what I did, you know, be a promoter, be, show, show the, the heads of the promoters what you're about, that you're not bullshitting, that you're, you know, you're in this for the long run and shit and like that. Gain their confidence, gain their trust. They'll give you more exposure. They'll give you more push. And eventually they'll give you access to festivals. And the beauty about these access about these festivals and these shows as well is that you are basically backstage. Mm -hmm. So fuck VIP, you're backstage all around, and you can be in the green room as with the with the main artist. So you just basically network your way out from there. You talk everybody in backstage, everybody. If you find a way to get to backstage, talk to everybody, because you never know that the person that you're talking to. Could be the next big thing, or it's just a small timer right now. But it, that small timer knows marshmallow. Yeah, and or it's just the missing piece to the puzzle, or on the business side, or is the missing piece of the puzzle. That's one way to do it. Um, another way to do it is by you know, I mean, you still have to go to the shows, but yeah, you just network around the shows. Um, on Miami Music Week, you go to the pool parties and you go to these shows. Most of the time, eight out of 10 times, the artist will be within the crowd. Mm-hmm. The artist will always be within the crowd. Eight out of 10. You t- if you know the artist, if you know who they are, or you know the people that they're talking to, say, yeah. what's up, you know, and, and be friendly. Oh, this is something I I heavily tell people. Approach friendly. Be a yeah. friendly person. Like, hey, what's up? Hey, you need you want a drink, man? I I could get you a drink right now. Yeah, you know, so you don't have to do the line. Yeah, like, here you go, man. Hey, my name is this. What do you do? Oh, that's dope, man. I'm here having a good time. Start a nice friendly conversation. And eventually they're gonna ask you, what do you do? And you tell them, hey, I'm an aspire music producer. I do this. I go to Icon and I'm trying to get to this, this, and then they'll be like, yo, that's dope. Well, hey, you should talk to so-and-so. I'm friends with them. Oh, well, maybe we should link up, man. Hit, give me your SoundCloud or give me your Instagram. Follow me or DM me or give me your phone number. Yeah. It always works. Always works. No matter what. Any of these shows and any, any of the LA shows, dude, go to Space Jet. Go to space yet. Once in a while. Yeah. Even in, if, you're, if you're not into clubs or like that, because I'm not into clubs either. 
I fucking hate yeah. clubs. I I <laughs> I only work for them. I play for them. I, I don't like being on a club. I fucking hate them. Once in a while, it's always good to go to network, especially mm -hmm. especially because you have Space Jet over there. Space Jet is popping over there. Yeah, and I know the owners of Space Jet because they did shows over here in Miami, and it's because mm -hmm. I I I know them because I they. They're friends with my former manager. And I'm still friends with my yeah. former manager, but I know them because of they, you know, and mm. it all it all somehow connects. You keep in contact with them? Not as I used to, because I'm yeah. right now I'm in the podcast game. Maybe I'll yeah. reach out to them in the, you know, like, hey, if you're down to do a podcast or an yeah, interview get with Henry me. on the podcast. Hey, absolutely. And I, I I'm pretty sure I can get it, I can make it happen to get a Henry over here. I just need to contact my former manager and and work it up and link it up. But yeah, networking, just go to the clubs, go to the shows, go to the festivals. Another way of networking is, I would say, yeah, like through the grocery boys, be friends with them because that's what I did. I I got into the grocery boys thanks to Dr. Ushu mm -hmm. from Friends. All because I gave him a shot to, to interview him. And because he interviewed, I interviewed him the boy like put me on blast on Twitter. And then that's where Mantic reached out to me and say, hey, you want to join? Uh. I'm like, wow, okay. All because I helped someone. That's another way. I helped someone out and that, and somehow I got connected to all these people. And this is the last way, this is the last one. With your school network with everyone that's within the school that you believe they're about to be something or there's someone even if they're like the next big Martin Garretts or the next big you know John Askew or whatever network with those guys stay in touch with those guys because maybe they're yeah their house and your base but you you never know like any of these guys somehow can connect you with an agency or with yeah, a label, definitely. or with a management, or with a marketing publicist, or something that they can, that they can, you know, oh, I can match him and you. Say it like that, yeah. man. Say that. It yeah. always works. So that's like the best advice I can give you when it comes to networking. Just you have to go around. Is it okay if you do it um virtually, like going DMing from Instagram and Twitter and TikTok and whatnot? Yes and no. It's just hard because you're not in front of their face. Exactly. So People they don't, don't do anything for you. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. But if you're going to do that through emails and virtually, the best way, the best advice I can give you, and this is foolproof, the best advice I can give you that if you want to reach out to artists and you want to be buddy buddies with somebody is you DM them and say, hey, I like your contents, this and that. Hey, be friendly, friendly, all this. Uh, your song that you got released, congratulations. It got me inspired to do this song. We'll like, we'll like for a feedback whenever you have a chance. Nine times out of 10, they'll reply you back. They'll listen to your song and be like, yo, thank you very much. Um, I just checked your song. It's dope. I like it. Um, oh, it needs a little bit of this, but you're, you're on the right track. Keep it up, man. Stay in touch with me. Send me some more. Nine out of 10, it always happens because it has happened to me on labels, on artists, blogs, you name it. 
if you're gonna yeah. do it that way, it, it, it's because the, it's the business concept that I'm pretty sure you know about this. If you're gonna do business with somebody, you need to show them what are you selling them. If you're gonna mm -hmm. sell yourself, like what benefits them to use you as as the product? It's yeah. like, all right, dope. Uh, your song is dope. Okay, what can I do for it? Like, what do you want yeah, me to right. do for it? Offer them a service, you know, offer some sort of free service. Like, hey, so um, I can give you, if you're a graphic designer, hey, here's an artwork that I did. You know, if you fuck with it, I got more stuff and blah, blah, blah. Or like what I did, I did vocal packs for labels. I did, they're all under my name on the royalties, but I've did vocal packs in which I've done like over a thousand vocal packs for various labels. And, and because I did those vocal packs for free for them, you got any songs? Yeah, here you go. It's it, business goes both ways. You got to offer them something for them to feel like, okay, we can use you, you know, because at the end of the day, it is business, whether it, whether it's, Good business or bad business, you want to get to those people, you want to get to those, uh, you know, artists and whatnot. That's how you most of the time you get to. But I will say this. You're already at the right track. You're already right there. The fact that you're already telling me you're, you're, you're buddy buddies with Northsphere, that's already a good step. You're already, Josh is already hitting you up for tracks and whatnot. That's already another big step. Little by little, you're getting there. So the fact that you got all these people, you know, hitting you up and talking to you, start talking to their buddies now. Reach them out. And before you know it, you're already networking around their circle. And it's getting to the point that when they meet up, it's like, oh, Zoinks, what's up? It's like, oh, you know him? That's my boy. How do you know him? Yeah. Oh, dude, he sent me some tracks and it's fire, yo. Like... Yeah, we met online and this and that. This is our first time. Yo, yeah, he's good. He's good. Words. Yeah. Words. <laughs> Definitely. I appreciate this interview, man. Nah, I'm very grateful that you came over to the show, man. And I hope uh, I learned a lot about you and all the stuff that you're doing. And I hope you learned some stuff as well. And yeah, I hope I that you can do. take this to the next level. And I'll yeah, tell you sure. this. You're already there, man. You're already Thanks, there. Bro. You just stay... Don't stop. You're already there, man. You're right there. Before, Thanks, my Jim. Before we leave, what advice, what are free advice that you give to someone if they want to start their, their career as, as a music producer? Do it because you love it, not because you want to be on stage. That shit will get you nowhere. Yeah. <laughs> That's <laughs> probably good. the most important thing you can say to yourself before you start getting into it. What are the two two advice that you'll give them? Uh, be patient. Yeah, that's be very, patient because that's very important. You never know what's right around the corner. Yep. Insightful Zoinks quote. <laughs> well, well, my dude, thank you so much for coming over to the show, man. It was an honor and pleasure for you to coming over, man. I had such a wonderful conversation, and thank you for your patience and you know, congratulations on your success and congratulations on the fact that you're the first person that I interview on my new studio set. So, <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> this is dope, man. Before we leave, plug yourself out. Let the people know where they can follow you. 
All right. So you can follow me on Zoinks underscore underscore music on Instagram and Twitter mm. and um, just Zoinks on SoundCloud and Spotify. That's what's up, man. Thank yep. you very much for coming <laughs> over to the show, man. And thank you guys for listening. And remember, every week is a brand new episode with a brand new topic. So always remember to like and subscribe for your weekly episodes at the Lone Wolf Podcast for SoundCloud, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and Apple Podcasts. And of course, the fucking YouTube channel at youtube.com slash the Lone Wolf Podcast, where you can check all my latest episodes. And also, guys... Comment down below and let me hear your thoughts. Share your experiences. If you guys got a specific topic that you want me to cover or you want Zoinks to cover, it, please let us know on the, on the comments down below and we'll tr- do our best to cover it on the next episode. So thank you guys for tuning in and we'll see you guys at the next one. All right. Peace. Peace.